Hello there, I'm your host, McNeil Mulliken, and you are listening to the McNeil and Friends Podcast. Here I invite different people to talk about all topics relating to cinema. Visit the McNeil and Friends Podcast website at www.mcneilandfriendspodcast.com to learn more about the podcast and where you can find episodes. You can support the McNeil and Friends Podcast by following or subscribing on the platform you listen to podcasts and by leaving a rating or a review. You can also support the McNeil and Friends Podcast by telling your friends, and if you don't have any, you can tell your family. Thank you for listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode in the Movie Screen Quarantine Series. If you're new here, what I'm doing is I'm inviting friends through Zoom to talk about any topic regarding movies. Today, I'm here with my friend Tucker, and we're going to talk about our top 10 favorite psychological thrillers. How's it going, Tucker? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, man. I'm glad to have you back. Uh, So talk a little bit about why you like psychological thrillers. I know that's a genre you're a big fan of. Yeah, so um, this was kind of similar because we did the uh, horror episode not too long ago. Right, yeah. Um, and I had a similar explanation for that, but I just grew up watching like spooky movies. And whenever you get into like horror or scary movies, um, you also get into psychological thrillers. That's just kind of a boundary that uh, people cross a lot of times when they're making their films. Yeah. Um, and so I just grew up watching a lot of different psychological thrillers as well as horror movies. Um for some reason, it's always been a big draw for me. Uh, I think it's pretty amazing when a creator of artwork has the ability to scare people or make them think about something for a really long time. And I think psychological thrillers uh, are able to do that pretty consistently. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I like that you said you grew up watching spooky movies. I love that word. We need to bring yeah, that back. Super spooky. We need to bring back spooky. We need to bring back groovy. I don't know about <laughs> groovy, but... <laughs> Uh, anyway, you know, like you just said, you know, we did our episode on the uh, top 10 favorite horror movies. Um, oh, yeah. But today we're going to do uh, top 10 favorite psychological thrillers in honor of Halloween. But, you know, if you want to get a little bit more of your uh, spook in, I guess, for Halloween, <laughs> then uh, then go check out our episode on top 10 favorite horror movies if you want more Halloween vibes. Uh, but, you know, so making a list for psychological thrillers can be a little tricky. Um, since some movies are more psychological thriller and some are more psychological horror. Yeah, true. And there's there's a little bit of overlap, but there is a little bit of a difference as well. Uh, but for the sake of this list, either goes. I'm just, I'm just calling the list psychological thriller. Just I feel like that rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Nice blanket um, statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and they're, they're both dealing with the mental stability of a character or multiple characters. So, you know, either way, fine by me. I don't really care. Um, Sweet. No point in really getting any and getting uber specific, you know? Um, well, yeah. Right. So, uh, what are your honorable mentions? How many do you have? Yeah. So I have, um, three honorable mentions. Okay. Um, I'll just, do you just want me to go ahead and list all three? Sure. Okay, great. Uh, so it's Zodiac, um, Joker and Psycho. Those are all great. I love all those movies. Yeah, true. I was honestly surprised that they made it to my honorable mentions and not the actual list. Um, cause I would say all three are fantastic films. Oh yeah. Um, but I don't know. I guess uh, some part of my brain was just like, nah, those aren't psych thriller enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious so. to see what ends up being um, in your list. I'm curious to see if, like, I'm sure we're going to have some overlap, but I'm curious to see which yeah, ones probably. are different, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. In my honorable mentions, you're going to see some crossover movies from my horror list we did a while back. 
And um, yep, me too. Once we get into my list, there will only be one that crosses over. Um, but my honorable mentions: um, Fight Club, uh, The Shining. Nice. Only an honorable mention. I feel like that's gonna be up there for you. Um, <laughs> the Silence of the Lambs and okay. American Psycho, and then Us. And in my horror, oh, wow, okay. yeah, in my horror list, that was my number one. Uh, in many ways, you know, it proves how much more I like psychological thrillers uh, compared to straight up horror. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, well, you might see us on my actual list. We'll have to wait and find out. So, Tucker, what is your number 10? My number 10 psychological thriller is Donnie Darko. Nice. That's such a good movie. Yeah, I really, uh, I've only actually seen this once. Let me be completely transparent. Um, But... I remember I watched it with you, McNeil. Actually, you were the one that wanted me to see it. So we watched it together. I remember thinking you would love that movie and you did. Yeah, I did. I really, really enjoyed it. And it totally freaked me out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. I feel like that's a movie that doesn't really bother people very often. Probably not. Man, it totally bothered me. I remember like (laughs) we watched that movie super late at night. We were up pretty much like for the rest of the night. And you were like, dude, that that movie just really bothered me. It really got to me. (laughs) It like really freaked me out. I don't know. I couldn't shake it for like a couple weeks, honestly. Really? That long? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Huh. What about you? Uh, My number 10? Yeah. Enemy. I don't know if you've seen it. But um, I have not seen that. So um, it's made by one of my favorite directors, Denis Villeneuve. He's great with psychological thrillers. So you'll see another one of, of his in here. But uh, nice. This movie is a great example of a film that turns the, the doppelganger concept into something eerie, unsettling and mind boggling. Okay, um, cool. And in a, in a way that not many films do and successfully do. Um, right. But a lot of it is because of Jake Gyllenhaal's performance um, as the two doppelganger so it's kind of like right. it stars jake gyllenhaal twice um, i think it's funny that uh both of our oh, top yeah. 10 star jake gyllenhaal yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool um but this is not a movie for everybody um because it's just some of the imagery in there is um it just might turn some people away sure um i mean i feel like that could also be said for probably every movie that we're going to list here today probably i mean a psychological thriller so you know proceed with caution yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah for sure but it's um Definitely not for everybody. I know I've recommended it to some people before, not really thinking that it's a, they were just looking to be entertained, and then they were like, "What did right. you just ask me to watch?" <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah. "Sorry, bud." But um, kind of like when you recommended Midsummer. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I genuinely thought you would like it, but I was totally wrong with that. Um, that's not a movie for everybody. Um, Definitely not. But Enemy Enemy's really good. Um, it's I don't want to spoil it too much, obviously, but if you like the doppelganger concept and if you like how creepy it can get, check that movie out. Just know it's nice. not for everybody. But uh, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is The Sixth Sense. That's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, you know, this one is a classic, obviously. Um, it yeah. kind of immediately solidified itself as a classic. Uh, you know, there's a few just like totally iconic images from this movie. Um, and it's also extremely famous for its twist. I'm not going to try and spoil it for anybody. I'm sure everybody um, knows it though. Yeah, true. Um, but the twist at the end is just like so nice. Um, and I feel like it was like one of the most famous movies that I've seen, uh, that is famous specifically for its twist. Yeah, definitely one of those. Um, I went, I went into that movie knowing it was going to be kind of a, a twist plot twist type movie. Um, oh yeah, me too. And uh I figured it out within 10 minutes. So that's probably why it's the only one that's not 
on this why it's not on this list i i would have i still love it i think it's really good um but just because i was like able to predict it so quickly i i I'd like some others better yeah yeah i actually uh i wasn't able to but i also like actively try not to predict movies that i'm watching especially oh, if i wasn't trying to have a twist oh really yeah <laughs> i was just like oh this is pretty obvious <laughs> <laughs> well i guess uh i guess i was just watching it a little bit differently than you then fight club was um, another one of those that i um totally predicted and yeah people that's one that supposedly blew everybody's mind and with well, i have not seen fight club which is a shock but i have not <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that was that was one I was able to predict. That's I liked that one a lot as well, but it only cracked the like the bottom of my honorable mentions list. Yeah. Yeah. Um but anyway, yeah, that's my number nine. What about you? Uh my number nine is the prestige. Okay, nice. Have you seen that? No. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I know my ne- my next one you've seen. Uh but Prestige is a Christopher Nolan movie, and this is like his um this is definitely the most psychological thriller esque he got with any of his okay. movies. You could argue Insomnia, um, sure, but uh, Prestige is definitely a superior movie to Insomnia. Uh, so yeah. this one has Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale, uh, and they are two amazing actors. Yeah, for sure. Batman and Wolverine. Uh, so they are <laughs> two rival magicians in the movie trying to basically outdo each other the whole right. time. They're trying to out magic each other and see who has more of the magical wits, I guess you could say. Um, and so <laughs> nice. you kind of get to see their level of determination um, and kind of to what they become willing to do with their careers as magicians and what right. they are willing to do for revenge. Um, sure, sure. I think that's probably why I actually have not seen it is like, I don't know. Magic movies just never draw my attention. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but it has a kind of like a of a sci-fi undertone to it that okay. Um, I know did that's probably what would pull some people out of it a little bit. Sure, um, but it's not like it's not a fantasy type magic. It's 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 pretty grounded for a while, and then you're like, wait a minute, there's something not realistic going on and then you get to the there's a big cliffhanger ending that's like a big twist and you're like whoa and then okay yeah scarlett johansson's in it as well and i thought she did a great job there's michael kane um but it's wow, that has a lot of people yeah it's got a pretty big cast there's some other people too i think uh actually david bowie was in it and he played oh really yeah he played nikola tesla okay in the that's movie. super interesting yeah actually. it's a it's a cool movie it's one of my favorites from christopher nolan for sure Nice. Um, but yeah, and I know you're a huge Nolan fan. Yeah, so. definitely, I'm definitely a Nolanite. I guess you could say. I think that's how, <laughs> I think that's how people describe the Nolan fans. Um, nice, but um, but yeah, it's that's a great movie, especially if you if you like just kind of the whole magician thing and combine that with a little bit of sci-fi and definitely psychological thriller. Check it out. Cool. So, what's your number eight? My number eight is American Psycho, uh, starring Christian Bale. Interesting. Yeah, that was that was an honorable mention for me. Yeah, another Bale movie. Um, this movie is just like so good at making you question what is real and what is not real. Definitely. Um, and also, I just like I've talked about this with a couple of my friends, um, but Christian Bale just has this like phenomenal quality in the movie that I feel like we don't see from him very often. Uh, you know, obviously for people you know that are our age or around it, um, he's Batman. Right. Uh, but this is just like so different. He's also a lot younger, which is interesting to see. Um, it was kind of the movie this, that put him on the maps 
Yeah, right, right. And he has this kind of like almost like humorous villainy to him in yeah. the movie that is like so fantastic. And yeah. You wouldn't think it works well, but it just so does. It's very satirical. Um, oh, yeah. I, it's awesome. When I did a comedy episode with, with Dan, um, that that was in my list of oh, really? my top 10 comedies because it, <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's like a it's a satirical uh, dark comedy psychological yeah. horror film. Yeah. You also know. another movie that just like completely garnered so many um, iconic images and iconic like lines and scenes. Yeah. Uh, a lot comes from that movie. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of iconic and psycho, my number eight is psycho. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, that was an honorable mention for me. Yeah. So you might notice there's a little contradiction here for my horror list because us was my number one in the horror list and psycho was number two and now it's reversed. Yeah, um, right. So I've, I've since then I've rewatched psycho and I was like, okay, I, I got it. That's, that's my all time favorite horror movie for sure. Really? So yeah, I'm going, wow. going on the record now, putting that as number one horror movie of all time. Wow. Uh, but wow. Not, that is saying a lot. Yeah. I, I, I think it's just because each time I watch this movie, I, there's, there's more to catch and, yeah. um, it's, it's so iconic and very influential with what it did for, the both both uh, the horror genre and the thriller genre and in yeah. so many ways. Um, and back in the day, it was considered to be a horror movie, like just a straight up horror movie. But it's also yeah, right. 1960. And um, it's, it's like kind of like one of the first slashers, I think you could yeah, say. Yeah. And um, and it did a lot for the horror genre. And uh, but in today's lens, it's kind of more of like a it's definitely more of a psych thriller. Um, sure. Or, you know, psych horror, whichever way you want to go. Um, but, you know, aside from the genre of it, uh Andy Perkins or Anthony Perkins as um, um, Norman Bates is really an incredible, that's an incredible performance. Um, Oh yeah. It's a very interesting character for sure. Um, Especially if you even go watch Bates motel, there's obviously it's not exactly the same as the movie. Um, It's its own thing. It's its own entity, but it's it. There's a lot more to explore with that character. But anyway, but, for Psycho, Anthony Perkins' performance was kind of revolutionary, what it did with movie villains at the time. Um, yeah, right. Well, and I think you got to something um, really, a really good point, which is that, you know, you said that every time you watch it, you pull different things out of it. Yeah. Um, which reminds me of a really cool quote. Uh, I can't remember who it's by, um, but it's by, you know, a really famous author, and he said uh, he'd rather read one great book five times instead of five okay books one time each. Yeah. Uh, I would rather so. watch a great movie five times than watch crappy or five crappy yeah, movies. Right. I, I get one that. I get that. Or, or books, you know, but um, yeah, right. I also like uh, for psycho uh, Alfred Hitchcock as a director. He's a great director, but I liked his uh, direct or his creative decision for this movie to be black and white. Cause it didn't have to be. And, yeah. um, that was really cool because at the time movies were starting to be more, more in, in color. And well, yeah. And color was, color was popular. Exactly. And then for him to be like, nah, black and white, let's do it. Yeah. And it made it creepier, which I, I liked. Um, yeah. A couple other things I really like about it. Um, the first time I watched it, this really stuck out to me. The, it has a very unique plot structure and mm-hmm. that's not really something that usually stands out to me. I don't usually care about that, but um, in this movie, you have a main character for a while and like through the first half, you follow um, one. There's two sisters in the movie. You follow one sister, and then obviously, big spoiler alert here. Skip ahead. <laughs> and so uh, she dies, and then the other sister comes in, and then she's the focus for the second half. And right. it's like 
cool. You know, that's that's you don't that doesn't usually happen. It's like they switched main characters, and I like that. Um, yeah. Plus, um, Bernard Herrmann's score in this movie. That's super iconic stuff. That is great stuff. Great work. <laughs> great and, stuff. Yeah, and the movie just it just holds up really well. Um, but uh, I love Psycho. Uh, such a great yeah, movie. Yeah, it's definitely a favorite for me. As that well. was an honorable mention for you, right? It was. Yeah, it cool. was. Um, I guess I I think I got stuck in just like viewing that from a straight horror lens. Yeah. Um, because I think that's really where it is for me. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, so what is your number seven? My number seven is Misery. Um which is kind of a funny one, actually, because I think you could definitely argue that it's, you know, more of a psych horror or just maybe even straight horror, kind of like with Psycho, actually. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you talked a little bit about at the beginning of the episode that, you know, these movies are about characters who, you know, question their mental state and things like that. Exactly. Um, And I think that Misery um, is definitely a movie about a character questioning his mentality um, and his mental state of things. Yeah. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, Misery's about a writer who um, gets into a car accident and actually ends up waking up in his number one fan's house. Um, and she ends up holding him hostage there, essentially, and forces him to write his next great novel. Um, so this is definitely, I would say, a psych thriller. Um, and I actually just recently watched the movie, like rewatched it uh, since it's October. Me and my girlfriend sat down and watched it. Um, and I also recently read the book uh, by Stephen King, obviously. I was just about to um, ask if you read the book because I know how big of a Stephen King fan you are. Oh, yeah. I love King. Um, and I did recently read the book for the first time. Um, and it was phenomenal. The movie's phenomenal. Obviously, Kathy Bates, I believe she won an Oscar for it, I think. I think that's right. Yeah, I believe so. She definitely won some awards for it. You can keep it. talking. I'll um, fact check that. Okay, sounds good. Uh, yeah, she definitely won some awards for it, and it is very well-deserved. Uh, she represents a fantastic villain uh, through the character of Annie Wilkes. Um, she did win, the by the way. She did not? Did. Oh, she did. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Um, but she's a great villain. Uh, you know, it's a great idea for a story, and it was executed extremely well it's a I movie mean, i want to check out say? i haven't seen it um do yeah, you, you definitely like, need to do that yeah do you like the book or the movie better i mean i typically like books better uh i'm a creative writing major so i am definitely a bit biased i'm not like a film studies major or anything like that yeah um yeah I'm neither. so <laughs> i definitely am more interested in the writing typically uh but I would say that um, the movie, you know, gives the book a run for its money. Cool. Are yeah, they are, fantastic. are they extremely different or are they kind of similar? Because I know like The Shining is one, is a Stephen King adapted movie that yeah. was very different. Yeah, uh, The Shining is quite different from the book. I've also read and seen The Shining um, as I have with Misery. Um, I know that King actually does like the film of Misery. Okay. He likes the film. So I know adaptation. he hates The Shining. Yeah, he's not a fan of uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Yeah, he's been pretty vocal um, about that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but he does like Misery. Um, and so I think that can give you some idea. Uh, they definitely had to change some things because it's a movie, not a book. Yeah. Uh, but I think they stayed pretty true to it, and uh, I appreciated that. So Cool. Yeah. What about you? What's My number next? seven. Number seven? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think you've seen this at this point. No, I've recommended it to you, but Black Swan. Okay. I have seen that once, but it was probably a decade ago. So <laughs> that was when it came out. It came out in 2010. Yeah, I um, think I saw it when it came out. So you were like 11. 
Yeah, I was definitely way too young. For yeah. It. <laughs> I think that's why I hated it. So. Yeah, wow. So, uh, obviously, this movie is driven by Natalie Portman's performance. Um, and Mila Kunis is great, too, in this movie. But uh, Natalie Portman does a great job of convincing the audience of what she needs to um, sure. in this movie. Um, especially because it's a story about obsession and perfection. And those two themes are interesting and they're interesting to base a story around especially when you put it into a psych thriller it makes it really unsettling um right because you have this character who's a ballet dancer played by natalie portman and she wants she wants to get this particular role she wants to be the best at it um for you know just as a performance and um at the same time she's dealing with her own um, issues and you kind of see how they correlate in ways and what it means for you know her outcomes and in the story. I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, it's it's a really cool movie. Um, yeah. As a psychological thriller, plus you know, like I said, is the her character is a ballet dancer, and the the um the part she's trying to get is in a, a part for Swan Lake. So mm-hmm. the score in the movie is based on Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake, but it's a different take on it. It's like a that creepy spin in a way, which is yeah. cool because that type of um, like Tchaikovsky's, you know, music, if you know, if you're not familiar with Swan Lake, then the Nutcracker, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of got that um, kind of a Christmassy, like Christmas, not Christmas, um, like a music box type sound, kind of like some Danny Elfman. So like, yeah, I, yeah. I think Danny Elfman's definitely influenced by Tchaikovsky in ways, but the score in this movie takes like that kind of, uh, vibe and just warps it for this particular genre. Well, um, and I mean, even though I wasn't a fan of the movie when I was 11 years old, <laughs> um, I will say uh, that the imagery for uh, uh, the movie is phenomenal. Um, I think they were able to really accent on the um, ballet aspect of the movie, obviously, since that's the main focus. But they were able to do a lot uh, that is very visually stimulating Yeah. Uh, through that. And that was really cool. Yeah, it's, and it's got, like, Natalie Portman's performance in that movie is is fantastic. It's, it's probably yeah. my favorite of her. She's done some other great movies and had other great performances, like in a movie called Jackie, but totally different. Yeah, but right. This Star movie. Star Wars. Yeah. Thor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but obviously, these two, the Jackie and Black Swan, are show, show, <laughs> yeah, they right. show her uh, her talent way better. Um, yeah, I, I was joking with the others. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so um, that's it, her performance is great. And I'm also I think she won an Oscar for it. Pretty sure she did. Yeah, I'll, very cool. Um, so what's your number six? I'll fact check if if she did. <laughs> Should have <laughs> done all this first. <laughs> that's all right. Um, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, so my number six is the lighthouse, uh, which I think is so much of a psychological thriller that there's no other argument. Um, Natalie Portman won Best Actress for Black Swan. Okay, perfect. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, uh, yeah. but The Lighthouse. Um, Great movie. Oh my gosh, yes. And another movie so that's weird. like, definitely makes you ask, like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, from um, the beginning. <laughs> yeah, from the get-go, it's like, I don't know what's happening, and I'm okay with it. Um, yeah. And it definitely has some, like, weird uh, sequences throughout the movie. Yeah, they um, might make a little some people a little bit uncomfortable. 
Yeah, right. But I mean, what else are psych thrillers really for? Black Swan's kind of the same way. Oh, most certainly. I remember being extremely uncomfortable as 11-year-old yeah, Tucker. Yeah, I bet if you're 11. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but The Lighthouse is another movie uh, where the creators decided to film it in black and white. Yep. Uh, which is, I would say, uh, definitely an odd choice mm-hmm. for a movie that came out in, what, 2019? Is that right? Yeah, last year. What even makes it weirder is that uh, th- the way they framed it, like the size yeah. of the frame was more of that uh, old-fashioned classic style. Yeah, well. I mean, the film definitely like screams uh, like noir era. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that is really cool, I think. Also... This is the, I think, the second movie on my list that primarily stars two characters, and pretty much that's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, basically it. Misery is about two characters. Uh, the Lighthouse is also about two characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are just absolutely phenomenal together. Um, yeah, that was the word the I was about to use. Phenomenal, for sure. Yeah, they just, they just like... If the movie's too weird for you, hopefully their performances will drive you through it anyways because they're so good. <laughs> yeah. Or just kind of overall style if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Because that was definitely one of the immediate draws for me um, was it's like, wow, this movie is definitely doing things different. Yeah. And I want to know what it's about. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a great movie. That's a cool choice. Uh, my number six. I really hope you've seen this. Have you seen Gone Girl? I have not because Oof. I have a reason. I have a reason. Okay. I am waiting to read the book first. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. and it is on my shelf, so I'm going to get there. <laughs> okay. So, um, man, then I can't I can't spoil some things. I was going to if you had, if you had seen it. Um, that's okay. <laughs> so, man, that sucks. So, uh, this is an extremely fascinating movie on a lot of levels because it, from the very beginning, it keeps you questioning everything in a very different way from The Lighthouse like you talked about. It's kind yeah. of, um, you know, obviously it's about a, a marriage that's falling apart and it's played by two characters, Ben Affleck uh, and uh, Rosamund Pike. And mm-hmm. the whole time, like, it's it's like this murder mystery and you're like, well, what's really going on here, you know? Right. And there are just some things that are not adding up. Um, and it's also kind of easy for a while to kind of point your finger at certain characters and be like, yeah, this person is to blame, you know? Uh, right. Both, both characters do a great job of, yeah, once again, convincing the audience of what they need to be for the for the story. Um, I will also say that I don't know. Did you ever listen to my villains episode? I have not listened to that one yet. No. Don't listen to it till you read or read the book or watch the movie. Um, okay. So well, that's perfect. Though. Do you know anything about Gone Girl? Do you know anything about the plot? Any any? Uh, yeah, spoilers? I mean, I know a few things. I know a few things. If you, I, I don't really mind spoilers. Um, like King says, it's about the journey getting to the end, not what the end result is. So, <laughs> do you know who the main antagonist of Gone Girl is? Uh, I don't. Okay, I'm I, I'm just not going to say anything then. But I, okay. what I will right. say is that it is one of the greatest movie villains ever. Um, right. And uh, other cool thing about this movie um, is that it emphasizes that you never really know what's going on behind the scenes of right. what you're being told by you know the people that may be involved in the scenario or even the media because the media actually plays a big role in the movie um yeah. and it's you know once you start thinking about all that it gets to be kind of a scary rabbit hole to go down but um sure um but it also shows like how many people just buy into anything they are told without right. doubts or questions or anything it's just oh yeah i'm gonna point my finger here that, that's easy thing to do um especially the accusations made in the movie are 
they make sense. But then it's like, wait a minute, we gotta we gotta actually figure out what's going on behind the scenes. Um, this is one of my favorite David Fincher movies. He's a fantastic director. Um, I think one yeah, you've you're mentioned. You're a big fan of him, I think. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think you mentioned one of his, which was Zodiac. It's another great one. Yep. We'll see yep. another one of of his on on my list. But I think Gone Girl is top two of his movies for sure. Well, and I mean, the book is also extremely popular, um, and I know people generally like both. Yeah. Uh, people, it's not like, you know, people like love the book and hate the movie. Um, so I think that's pretty interesting as well. Yeah. It's a movie that I've, it's, it's grown on me each time. I've liked it more and more each time I've watched it. Um, yeah. and I was pretty blown away by it. There are just some things you just don't really expect. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's really good. Yeah. I'm excited to, I'm excited to watch that one. Yeah. Man, you're like listening to a bunch that I actually haven't seen, which is uh, <laughs> kind of surprising to me. You're making me sound like I shouldn't be on this episode. I think I, in my top five, I think there's going to be some more, but, uh, <laughs> but before we do move on to our top five favorite psychological thrillers, be sure to follow or subscribe to the McNeil and friends podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a rating and a review. If you want to help support the podcast, you can follow the McNeil and friends podcast on Instagram at McNeil.and.friends.podcast. Message me through Instagram to let me know what your favorite psychological thrillers are. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at McNeil Mulligan. Letterboxd is where I post the movies I watch and write reviews. Also, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Twitter. And lastly, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Patreon and support this podcast by becoming a patron if you so desire. All of this information can be found on the McNeil and Friends podcast website at www.mcneilandfriendspodcast.com. And you can find a link that will take you to all of these locations in the description of this episode. So with all that in mind, Tucker, what is your number five? First of all, the website is dope. Super excited about the website. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my number five is Get Out. Awesome. That's a great movie. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. So do you like Get Out better than us, or do you like us better? Well, I'm going to spoil my list if I answer that question. Uh, okay, never mind. Way, so. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. <laughs> um, so but I think we know what that means, though. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Get Out is my number five. And, uh, you know, I think it is for very obvious reasons. Um, I love how dark and twisted the characters in this movie are. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. Um, I actually just recently rewatched it um, with my socially distanced group of friends. Um, <laughs> and so we had a really good time with it. Uh, it's always fun to revisit it. I've seen it a number of times at this point. Um, just kind of by coincidence honestly yeah. uh but you know i'm never not in the mood to watch it. i've actually only seen it once really yeah well i would definitely say this is another movie that you like pull more and more from mm-hmm. uh on repeat watches yeah i could totally see uh, that especially because you know by the end when you have everything figured out it's like man i could totally go through this movie again and like look for like the reason that all this is happening yeah um which is really cool uh i think it was also jordan fisher or not jordan fisher um, jordan peele thank you uh jordan peele's first like big film yeah was it not it was his uh directorial debut yeah right and man what a banger to come out yeah with. <laughs> yeah that was a great movie um i personally like us better get out if if i had a more extended honorable mentions list it would have been in there right. but us was in there i i personally like us better i've, I've been pretty vocal about that but uh but they're both great yeah. movies yeah us is also uh higher in my list um as we've discussed but um get out i i just think is so interesting um and does some things that a lot of movies have not done uh and also like lobotomies super creepy so yeah you've always been kind of fascinated with lobotomies well i mean what a messed up thing yeah yeah i agree like how messed up is that messed up (laughs) things can get really interesting which is 
why I had you for this particular episode. <laughs> yeah, dude. Happy to be here. Not not saying you're messed up. I'm just saying you like you're interested in messed up things. Oh yeah, maybe we should clarify. Yeah. <laughs> other people don't know me as well as you do. Tucker's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's your number five? My number five is one I think was in your honorable mentions. Joker. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's not yes, an extremely it conventional pick for psychological thrillers because of its comic book overtones, but well, and that's why I put it in my honorable mentions. Actually. Yeah, and, and being the comic book geek I am, I mean it's. That is why, because it combines, you know, some comic book overtones with, right? It's and it and it's a true psychological thriller, you know, um, right. and it's really one of the most interesting character studies I've seen. Uh, it's very unsettling and disturbing, and I've talked about this before, and I think it's important to understand about this movie because of all the controversy that surrounds it. But it's told in the Joker's perspective, which means we're going to understand his mindset. It's going to be uncomfortable and disturbing and, uh, to, you know, to understand where he's coming from. Um, but I think the thing that gets misconstrued from it is understanding doesn't mean agree. You know, there's a big difference. Right. Um, and I think that's just super important to understand. Um, and it's, you know, it's not saying what the Joker's doing is right by any means. And, you know, this is just a guy who is treated terribly by society and a guy who is mentally ill and a guy who happens to be the Joker. Um, right. And so it realistically shows what happens when somebody like Arthur Fleck is pushed over the edge and how somebody can get somewhere mentally to do the horrible things the Joker does. And it's not saying all mentally ill people are like Arthur Fleck. It's just saying right. if there are people, if like if the Joker, this is how somebody like the Joker could get to be the Joker, you know? Yeah, right. Well, I mean, you're talking about the, you know, the idea of sympathy for the devil here, mm -hmm. uh, which was really, you know, garnered by um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein uh, was kind of the first thing to really do that, where it's like, man, let's actually follow the villain. Why is the villain like you're this? You're talking about the book um, Frankenstein? Yeah, right. I actually yeah, have right. read that. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, that was one of the first books to ever, you know, be like, why is the killer? Why is the villain? Why is the monster? A monster um, yeah and so you know the Joker definitely or Joker definitely plays off that idea really really well oh, yeah. in my opinion um, I love Joker I think it's a great film uh, it is on my honorable mentions like I said mostly because of the comic book overtones mm -hmm. um, like you said but uh, yeah I mean super quality yeah I just think it's kind of important to understand that you know the possible paths that lead people to irredeemable evilness oh yeah you know right and i think I that's mean, just something joker the movie itself does very well yeah right and like you said it's not asking you to agree with him it's oh, not yeah. asking you to uh you know condone the joker's behavior it's just showing you man why is he like this yeah yeah and in the comics like joker doesn't have an origin story necessarily like right. he'll tell you a bunch of stuff you know you don't know what's true kind of like he like yeah. heath ledger's version does in the dark knight and yeah, this, it's a source of his mystery. Yeah, and by the end of the by the end of this movie, it's it's kind of ambiguous. It's like maybe that was just all in his head, but it still yeah. it still shows like regardless, it shows you what like it could be like for Joker yeah. for somebody to turn into the Joker. But you know, it's not a movie many people initially think of for psychological thrillers, but it's definitely a psychological thriller, and it's incredibly well made in my opinion. So yeah, um, I would have to agree. Yeah, and just because of like my love for that character. Um, he's such an interesting character. I, you know, had to put that movie in here. Um, that's totally fair. <laughs> yeah. So what's your number four? Uh, my number four is us actually. Cool. 
Yeah, so I put them back to back, uh, the two Jordan Peele movies. Yeah. Uh, the two big ones, obviously. Um, put them back to back because, you know, I I love both of the movies. I think they're both fantastic. But Us just, I think, plays with a few more ideas and things get, I would say, a lot more complicated in Us. Um, and I feel like it was a more ambitious project Definitely. as a movie. Um, and I don't think it was lacking in any way at all. Um, and so I feel like, especially for such an ambitious project, they, I mean, they just nailed it. It was perfect. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about doppelganger movies. Uh, this is another doppelganger film. Um, the idea of doppelganger, doppelgangers turning sinister um, or taking kind of a twisted uh, lens. And, yeah. you know, this movie, this movie is definitely creepy. I was oh, yeah, it was I saw it in the theaters um, twice. Yeah, the second time with you yeah. and, and your family. Um, yep. Both times. It was super scary. Yeah, it's very good. And I don't think you can talk about us without talking about the soundtrack. Um, we touched yes. on this a little bit in our horror yes. episode or in the horror episode. Um, and I man, actually talked about it. Yeah, yeah. I actually talked about it in my um, favorite scores episode with, with Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it made my Oh list. yeah, I remember that actually. Yeah. Um and I completely agree. Uh you know, the us score is just phenomenally yeah. weird and creepy yeah. and just like makes you really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and and part of the reason I think you and I are emphasizing on scores for certain movies, I mean, um Tucker and I are both musicians and yes. the music in movies is obviously very important to both of us. And yeah. the music in that movie is super impressive. Yeah. Well, and also, I don't think I touched on this with The Lighthouse either, but The Lighthouse score does a very similar thing where it just, like, really accents so many different scenes. Um, yeah. Even if it's just silence, you know, that is part of a score. That That is an intentional decision on a film creator. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. If, if you look at a movie like The Birds, kind of off topic here, but it's all right. If you look at The Birds... For example, it's a movie, it's an Alfred Hitchcock movie from 1963. It's kind of a disaster horror movie. It's not like a right. It's not a psychological it's thriller. Like a catastrophe, kind right? Of thing. Yeah, there's no music in that movie at all. Right, and that well, was that. That was intentional. People yeah. don't people don't think about this enough when they see movies. It's like literally every single thing you see and every single thing you hear is intentional. Yep. It is on purpose. There is a reason. People will think so about cool. music like Star Wars, Harry Potter, or whatever, but. Right. Music in all movies is important to me and, and, yeah. and you, you know? Um, yeah. That's a great choice, sure. though. Us is a great movie. Um, yeah, definitely a psych thriller as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could argue psych horror for sure, uh, but definitely a psych thriller as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so my number four is one you've already talked about, Donnie Darko. Very nice. Yeah, I'm not surprised that it is this high for you. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, this one's really different from the others I've mentioned because it's a psychological thriller that is, like, heavily combined with science fiction and that is such a cool combo um yeah and it's cool because you can take both of those genres in the movie and your interpretation will be based on one of those particular genres so you and i watched it and by the end of the movie we had completely different interpretations of it and yep. um yours was definitely more of the uh psychological thriller uh, route that was based on like the emotions of the characters. Mine was right. more kind of about it was the science fiction. It was like the rules and the logic that went into this particular world, you know? Yeah, right. This universe. Yeah. And I will say, if you watch the director's cut, the sci-fi elements are are heightened more because right. the there's like 30 minutes of additional footage and it makes it a much better movie. I've seen both cuts 
definitely watch right. the director's cut. Uh, but you know, it is very ambiguous. Two in, two dramatically different interpretations of the movie. Um, it's really interesting with lots of detail and another great performance from Jake Gyllenhaal. He's yeah, he's great definitely. in thrillers, and I think this is really the movie that got him involved in uh, the thriller genre because he's known for so many. And I'm I I've got one more, one I didn't even mention, which was Nightcrawler, um, yeah. which is great. Um, but yeah. you know, there's a lot to learn about what's going on inside of Donnie Darko's head, and yeah, it's it's a Super interesting movie. Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is great, and well, and he's so young. Yeah, he was probably like he's our so age. So young. <laughs> I want to say he was our age when that movie was filmed. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, man, you are just fact checking. You're just a fact checking machine. How old was Jake Gyllenhaal in Donnie Darko? Search. Very nice. Um, <laughs> uh, no, that's. They gave me the answer for October Sky. I didn't need that. Okay, that's a different movie, but... <laughs> well, it came out in 2001, so let's just look up how old Jake Gyllenhaal was. Oh, man. Gotta break out the calculators. Yeah, well, he's he's 39 now, so he would have been 20. Okay. He would have been my age. I was exactly on the you money. Were, you hit that on the head, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he is super young, and it is uh, definitely an abstract film oh, yeah. for a young person to star in, which is really interesting. Yeah. So, uh, enough about Donnie Darko. What's your number three? My number three, man, I, I love, okay, from here on, I literally love these movies. I know, um, I know what two of them are going to be, I think. Pretty convinced. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Well, number three is Shutter Island. Yes, that was what I was guessing was going to be your number three. Shutter Island was my favorite movie of all time for a number of years, um, I feel like this is another movie uh, where you can watch it over and over and over again, mm-hmm. and you can get different things from it every single time. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that the movie is like confusing or the movie is like trying to do too many things and failing. It is for a good reason. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And oh my gosh, does you know a movie have a more specific tone than this one? I mean, yeah. it is so dark. It is so dreary. And it's just, it's just like the tone is very consistent throughout yeah. every single shot. My, my top three, the tone of my top three movies are extremely consistent in all of them. And they it drives yeah. all of them. So I totally see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, Leonardo DiCaprio is just fantastic oh, um, yeah. in Shutter Island. Uh, this is another movie that has a big twist. Um Another movie that has a very big twist, actually, towards the end of the film. is one um, that I actually predicted. You did predict this one as well? Yeah. Well, there you go. You are just, like, you're on it. I, I'm good with psychological thrillers, for yeah. whatever reason. When it comes to, like, the stupid movies that you should know exactly what's going on, then I'm, <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm like, whoa. <laughs> right. Mind blown. Yeah. Well, Shutter Island, uh, it threw me for a loop. Um, the first time I saw it and I, you know, this is another movie that I saw when I was relatively young, uh, for someone watching a psychological thriller. Well, so Shutter such... Island came out in 2010, just like Black Swan. So if you saw it when you were 11, yeah. then that's, that's still crazy. I definitely did not see it in the theaters, but I saw it like very shortly after it released on, I guess it was probably DVD back then. So you were probably like 11 still. <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is one of my favorite movies, uh, not only in the psychological thriller genre, but also as a whole. Um, it's one of my mom's favorite movies. We watch it together all the time and nice. it's just, it's just fantastic. Yeah. It's also really, really messed up. My mom, my so, mom would never watch yeah. Shutter Island. My mom would never watch Shutter Island. 
Yeah. Also, like a little bit of a warning. Shutter Island can get like it gets very messed up very fast. Yeah. Um, there is like I, so. I'm surprised that certain parents would be all good with watching Shutter Island. Yeah. For, right. For yeah. Particular it's definitely reasons. it's definitely not kid friendly. No. <laughs> definitely not. It's a great movie though. But it's very good. We may so. or may not <laughs> see that later on my list. But for now, my number three is. Oh man. Yeah. My number three is Prisoners. Oh, dude. Love it. Prisoner, maybe prisoners in yours. We'll see. Um, so we'll see. Um, it's another psychological thriller from Denis Villeneuve. You know, I mentioned he did Enemy. This is easily my favorite film of his. Uh, Arrival would be a close second. But that's like a philosophical sci-fi movie, but that's a close yeah, second. Right. Totally different. Oh yeah, Prisoners definitely my favorite movie of his. Um, another one with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. And I think outside of Hugh Jackman's performance as Wolverine, this is probably my favorite performance of his. Um, nah, definitely Les Mis. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really didn't like Les Mis. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. I would agree this is probably his best performance. I think this might be his best performance overall. I might would say Logan would be his best performance. Um, yeah. because it Just because That's his fair. performance of Wolverine is so iconic. But this is like outside of like comic book terms, this one. Yeah. It's an incredible performance. Oh um, my gosh, yeah. The thing that sticks out to me about Prisoner so much is the way it builds, like I've never seen a movie build like this one does. It builds and builds and builds and it never stops up until the end. And like the end, it's not like this. It's not like everything resolves. It's just like it, it it just stops, but it's, it's such a great ending for this movie, you know? Um, Well, that's exactly what I was going to say is I feel like the ending just fits like, like this movie wasn't trying to give you a happy ending. No, this movie no. also wasn't trying to give you like necessarily a satisfying ending. Right. Like this is more true to life and reality. Whereas like sometimes things just stop. Yeah. And sometimes things suck. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> just like prisoners. And, and you know, yeah. it can be extremely intense and really disturbing at times. Um, oh, yeah. But from a like a character standpoint, like the psychological thriller aspect of it, this movie shows the true colors of the characters played by both Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. So for Jake Gyllenhaal's yeah. character, you understand how he's affected by his past uh, from his job without having to be explained, you know, um, yeah. and kind of w- you're not really explain what that means for him as a detective in the story. But you can tell he's disturbed by something and you never know exactly what. And that's what I love about his character like he has this in real life jake gyllenhaal doesn't blink the way he does in that movie right like he's got he right. he formed this blink that he does that's kind of like a twitch almost because he's yeah it's like a ptsd type thing um and you can see him he kind of loses it at times because the case just goes so haywire you know yeah um and for hugh jackman's character um you learn how far he's willing to take things in order to get his daughter back which yeah. gets even more disturbing. And you learn about his temper and his dark side, and how intense and frankly terrifying he becomes, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think this movie is all about uh, where do people break? Where yes. is that line? Yeah, it's a great and, way of describing it. And oh my gosh, it just does such a good job of like stressing that point. And the um, movie is so. stressful too. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. It is a it very is definitely stressful movie. Like, like, don't try to watch this, like, to chill out with your significant no, other. No, like, it's, it's you're right. not going to be calm. <laughs> no, but this is, a, this is a Halloween edition. So if there you, go. you can watch on Halloween with your significant other, if you have one. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that got really sad for a different reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, the ending is a great ending. Uh, it may frustrate lots of people. 
um, yep. if you want a conventional movie. Uh, but that's not what this is, but it's so good and it's ambiguous, and those are the best types of endings. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so what's your number two? My number two is Prisoners. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you should you should have said so because then we could have you know hashed it out all together. Yeah, I know, but I wanted to you know it's a lot more suspenseful this way, and That's we true. were talking about psych thrillers. There we go. So like there we go. I like it. Um, but I just like I love the raw emotion in this movie. Yeah. That oh my god, like this is definitely a character study. I would say um, this movie is definitely all about these characters. Um, less of less than it is about plot. Um, and you just see so much raw emotion come through the characters um, that is just, it's so bothersome. Yeah. But in like such a way that you just love to watch the movie, at least in my opinion. Because it's so fascinating. It's very fascinating. And like we talked about, it's definitely about, you know, where do people break? Um, and that I think is a super interesting concept for a film. Also, total side note, but Jake Gyllenhaal's haircut in the movie is dope. I would so. agree. I've always thought that. It's so dope. It's kind of like Brad yeah. Pitt's in Fury. I don't know if you've seen Fury. It's very, very similar. Yeah. yeah. But Jake Gyllenhaal is a cool haircut. It, so that's cool. Yeah. It's definitely a cool haircut. Yeah. yeah. I should try to. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do that. <laughs> nice. No, I'm, I don't think I, my hair is not that thin. Um, yeah, definitely. It's definitely thin. Yeah. Um, well, my number two is interesting. It's Shutter Island. So we like swapped okay, our two and go. three. See, this is so much more suspenseful. Yeah. You could have said something, but you didn't. Well, I couldn't have because I would have still had to do my number three. Oh, yeah. That's like, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could have, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Shutter Island, in my opinion, is Martin Scorsese's most underrated movie. It's my personal favorite of his, so I'm a little biased because of that. And that's sure. probably because of how much of a sucker I am for psychological thrillers and not for um, like mob movies, you know. Well, and also DiCaprio, right? He's so good. Yeah, he's a great actor. Like um, Martin Scorsese's movies, uh, kind of hit or miss for me. I know he's he's a great director. Just some mm-hmm. of the the stories he wants to tell aren't necessarily like the the type of thing I'm interested in. Like Goodfellas, such an iconic movie, it's all yeah. right for me. Um, but I really would love to see him do something like Shutter Island again. Um, yeah, I would too. You know, Taxi Driver is one of his most famous movies. That's a psych thriller. And this is a very unpopular opinion of mine, but I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> it was, it was boring and anticlimactic. And, um, uh, yeah, I just, I just don't care about it. I just think it sucked. I mean, you know, anyway, about Shutter Island, it's, it's kind of about, um, the human mind and madness and grief. Kind of, those are like yeah. the themes that it explores, I think. And um, I would agree. Leonardo DiCaprio's character in the movie is definitely like he kind of he's the center of those themes, you know. Um, and he's able. He's an, it's another performance where he's able to convince the audience of exactly what he needs to. I know I say that a lot, but that's something you really need to do in psychological thrillers as an actor, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you have to be able to like, especially if it's a movie that has a twist, like Shutter Island does. Yeah. You have to really be able to convince an audience of something, and then totally like pull the rug out from under them. Yeah. Anyway, I told you earlier, I, I, I kind of predicted this one. Um, and it was, it was not like up until maybe the last 30 ish minutes where I was like, I think I know what's going on here right. with the sixth sense and fight club. I, I figured it out almost instantaneously, which is <laughs> bizarre. Um, but for this movie, like it still paid off for me very well. Cause I was still questioning the whole thing with the sixth sense and, and fight club. I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm almost 100% positive what's going on here. Um, yeah. But I do love that this movie has a very ambiguous ending that kind of leaves you with really two outcomes that 
makes for very interesting conversations. You know, yeah, you're kind of like, did he know? Did he not know? You know, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but and, you know, it's really just an extremely captivating story. It's got a great mystery, and like you said, it can be real disturbing, really disturbing yeah, at times. Very much so. Um, well, I know your number one is not my number one, and you hadn't even mentioned my number one. But uh, what's your number one? <laughs> my number one is The, the Shining. Shining. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I believe this is also my number one on our horror list. It was from what I um, from what I recall. Yeah, I believe it was. Um, and I think that you can definitely make an argument that this is more horror. I think you can also make the argument that this is more psych thriller. Um, especially if you are someone who's read the book, I know of, you know, maybe be- beating a dead horse here, but if you've read The Shining, the book uh, by Stephen King, that book is very much about what is going on in Jack Torrance's mind. Oh, yeah. Um, the movie, too. I, the movie The movie is also about that, but the book stresses it even harder. Yeah, I can believe that. Um, yeah. Um, and so I just, you know, even though it's a lot different from the book, I still... I treat them almost as separate entities, um, and I love both. Um, I think they're both really interesting takes on the story and on the characters, especially Jack Torrance. Um, and wow, talk about a descent into madness. Um, yeah, yeah. That I mean, and I think like you know, you might not want to watch this movie right now if you're in isolation, because this movie is about isolation. But um, if you're in the mood to get creeped out and feel uncomfortable with your family being stuck inside, then definitely watch The Shining, because this is about being stuck inside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a very captivating movie. Um, I mean, yeah, and, and it's you really can good. hear both of us talk about it on on the horror episode that we did. Yeah, true. Uh, so my number one is seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I kind of saw that coming. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty vocal about how much I love that movie. I don't think pretty vocal is the right way to say that. I think you're extremely vocal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's easily my favorite psychological thriller in, in top three yeah. movies of all time. No doubt. Definitely yeah. top three. Uh, David Fincher's best movie for sure. Um, okay. Also probably the most disturbing movie on this list. It's very bleak, very creepy. Yeah. Very, yeah. very disturbing. Um, so Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman are both fantastic in this movie. They are these partner detectives that are on this serial killer case uh, about a guy named John Doe, who is a serial killer, played by Kevin Spacey, um, who is committing murders based on the seven deadly sins because he thinks society tolerates sin. So he wants to bring it to the world's attention by killing right. people based off the of seven deadly sins, which is, you know, that's that's hypocritical, which is weird that... He wants to uh, expose hypocrisy by being a hypocrite, <laughs> which is it's it's weird and very in the way he does it, extremely disturbing. But it's it's an interesting concept to to try to understand how he got there. Like it's like, right? What got you to that conclusion? That's so uh, warped and disturbed, um, and it's totally sadistic. Um, but the villain, John Doe, very manipulative, great example of a puppet master. Um, one of the best movie villains of all time. I talked about him on my, on my villains episode. Um, and the ending is extremely unconventional, uh, very disturbing. Um, but it's so interesting in regards to the mentality of the characters, because you right. see it's so fascinating because uh, you see what role each character plays within this entire plot. The villain has created Um uh, and kind of just what it meant for the way everything unfolds, you know? 
Right. It's, it's best way to say it, I guess, without spoiling. Um, this definitely a movie to go into blind and, and know nothing. But it is a movie that not everybody can handle. I have no idea why my brother watched it when he was like nine years old and said, you should watch this. <laughs> and I was like, and then I watched it when I was like 17, 18. I was like, you watched that in like the sixth grade? <laughs> what? Who? I'm like, he didn't watch it here. Uh, so I have no idea where he was. But um, anyway, that's my number one, Seven. And your number Very one good. is The Shining. Two great movies. Um, yeah, have you definitely. seen Seven? I have seen bits and pieces of Seven, but I haven't, like, in my adulthood, sat down to watch it all the way through. You should definitely do it. Um, yeah, it's probably going to be on my October list. It's a rough watch, but uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's great. Um, well, I mean, several of these are a rough watch, so. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this was a lot of fun. This was really cool. Um, yeah, I, know we, I had a great time. Yeah, we had some overlap. I definitely want to check out some of the ones I, uh, hadn't seen that you mentioned. Um, yeah, and likewise. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was really cool. So Tucker, where can people find you on social media? Yeah. So I pretty much am on, you know, whatever social media you can think of, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, my handle is pretty much consistently just Tucker Wolf, um, yeah. all lowercase sometimes. Uh, but yeah, you can just find me there. Yeah. And I'll be sure to link your information in the description of this episode. But if you guys Sweet. want more of your Halloween fix, check out the horror episode that Tucker and I did back in the summer. Uh, and, yeah. And yeah, Tucker, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Uh, the horror episode was great. This episode was great really uh having a good time yeah man this is dope i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did be sure to tune in for more episodes in this series and don't forget to follow or subscribe to the mcneil and friends podcast on a platform you listen to podcasts so you can be notified when new episodes are released if you made it to the end of this episode congratulations and once again thank you for listening mm-hmm.